Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. This is Off Topic Hot Topic, a bonus episode of the Hunting Seasons podcast. I'm Damask Leary. I'm Broderick Gordis. No touching. No touching. No touching. No touching. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, That's whatever you were talking about for you. Before we get into things, you should know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners. So if you'd like to contribute a question, topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingestcast. As always, we start with our favourite segment on Off Topic Hot Topic, News in Fuller. Oh my god, it's that time again. Yeah, and as always, or it seems to be lately, News in Fuller Mm. is decidedly emptier. There's nothing to talk about, nothing is happening with Brian Fuller currently. So we move on to some headlines. Brilliant wordplay though, brilliant. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I thought about that a lot. Uh, Let's start with some (laughs) announcements in the world of TV. Uh, Greg Belanti, creator of Arrow and Riverdale, is helping to develop a gritty live-action version of Cartoon Network's The Powerpuff Girls. The show is going to be written by Diablo Cody and Heather Regnier, uh, and the series is a sequel series of sorts to the original Powerpuff Girls, and they're going to be sort of put together in this show as disillusioned 20-somethings who resent having lost their childhood to crime fighting. How does this sound to you, Damask? Are you a fan of the original Powerpuff Girls? Do you ever watch that Saturday morning cartoon style? No, because that was on pay TV or in America cable. So, And we were too poor. We didn't have that. So, no, I never, I never was into it. I know a lot of my friends were, but I never watched it. I was exactly the same. Friends of mine who had Oddstar, I think it was, even before Foxtel. Yeah. Um, th- I remember going to their place and the Powerpuff Girls would be on and all those Cartoon Network type shows like Dexter's Laboratory and those sorts of things. And I just did not watch it. We missed so, it. So, like, it doesn't seem like a natural fit for a gritty reboot. Then again, neither did Riverdale. Um, but I have no opinion because I've not watched the show and have an opinion. I mean, I quite like... Diablo Cody. I mean, True. I love Jennifer's body a lot. Um, so I, I can see how she'd... Because from what I have seen of the show, just catching an episode here and there, it, it was very fast-paced, quite tongue-in-cheek, a bit weird and funny. And I feel like that meshes well with her style as well. Um, the fact that she's working with someone else means it might be slightly watered down Diablo Cody, which I think is probably a good thing. Um she can get wrapped up in her own. Very quippy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll i probably check it out, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm curious about it. I just like, it's not like the Avatar live action, you know, remake or anything mm. like that, where I have strong opinions. It's like, okay, interesting. I hope it works. Doesn't sound like it on the surface, but you're right. Diablo Cody being involved is interesting. Uh, Did you David- say it was a CW? Uh, did I say the CW? I meant... Car- I can't remember. Uh, it might be through the CW. I, if, if the Cartoon Network is where Powerpuff Girls came originally from. Yeah. However, Arrow and Riverdale, I b- believe, which is uh, Greg Belanti, his shows, they're both CW right. shows, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. So, I think uh, I that- just inferred that. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't in what I'd... Uh, 
uh, put forward in my sort of notes here, but that's possible. Mm. David Benioff. I also think... Oh. Yes, go on. Um, I also think that depending on where it's being made, because um, if it's like seek, when I heard his name and you hear mm. CW, I think shows that look and feel really cheap. Um, sure. And I think, and if it, it is another kind of superhero type show, I worry about the look of it because I can find that, well, it doesn't destroy a show. I can find it really distracting. So I'll be interested to see um, yeah, where it's actually being made. Have you watched any of Titans, which is the gritty reboot of Teen Titans with like Robin saying fuck Batman and like shit like that. Oh my Have you God. seen any of that? No, I've only wa- I've watched a bit of Arrow. Mm. I've watched a bit of Supergirl. I watched a bit of I no, I only watched the trailer for that and then I thought it looked terrible so I didn't. I was that time traveling one. Do you do you know what that's called? No idea what you're talking about. Anyway, it was no, no idea. <laughs> I don't if think anyone does. If this is a does. CW show, I yeah. likely have very little knowledge of it. Basically, at this point. Mm. Oh, though I recently was like looking at um, the reviews for was it Doom? Yeah, Doom Patrol. Sure. Yeah. Because I thought it was a shitty CW show, but it's made by like H- HBO, and it looks oh. really cheap, but could be kind of fun. I know. I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, maybe. So maybe I'll watch that. But no, I totally forgot what we were talking about. I'm just really at this point. <laughs> uh, just on more announcements in the TV world, this is announcements as in things have been said to be in development but haven't got full series or anything given to them yet. But David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, this is the former showrunners of Game of Thrones, who were attached to... They were going to make that Confederate show for HBO, which everyone said, mm-hmm. that's the worst idea ever, don't do that. Yeah. And so they didn't. And then they were attached to Star Wars... And everyone said, please don't put them anywhere near Star Wars. And so Netflix signed a contract with them instead. Anyway, they are set to write an executive produce TV show, a TV show adaptation of Chinese author Liu Cixin, C-I-X-I-N, his epic fantasy sci-fi trilogy, The Three-Body Problem for Netflix. Uh, have you heard of The Three-Body Problem trilogy of books? No, I've never heard of it before. I had, hadn't heard before either. I hadn't heard of Game of Thrones before. And then when I found out they were making a TV show about it, I went out and read all the books. And that was great. So maybe sure. before they start making this show, I'm going to go out and read those books so I can have that to enjoy because I'm sure that it's probably going to end up to be a disaster. Can I give you the synopsis uh, from Wikipedia? That I found. Yes, on please. The you know I love me some Wikipedia. <laughs> the series portrays a future where, in the first book, the Earth is awaiting an invasion from the closest star system, which in the universe consists of three solar-type stars orbiting each other in each sorry orbiting each other in an unstable three-body problem. Hence the name of the trilogy, with a single Earth-like planet unhappily being passed among them and suffering extremes of heat and cold, as well as the repeated destruction of its intelligent civilizations. So it's it's by the sounds of it, from what I understand, it's pretty epic and like high end sci fi. This is like in the level. Now of like I'll tell you, I'll stuff. tell you something. Yes. Um, <clears throat> just a little note on that story. Uh huh. I didn't understand a fucking word you just <laughs> said to me. <laughs> I was, I was like, have I got it? No, I've lost it. And then you kept talking. I was like, we've come too far. I can't ask any questions at this point. Um, cool. So from it went from right what over I understand, my head. Based on this, Earth is going to be invaded by aliens who come from a planet that's part of this three-body problem, three-body problem solar system, which means the okay. planet is being sort of shifted between two points back and forth, and because of that, it has extreme heat and extreme cold, 
And every time it does one of those things, it like wipes out the intelligent life on the planet. So it sounds oh, like this, okay. this civilization or these aliens that are invading come from that planet, probably trying to escape mm. disaster and also find so a new like planet to live refugees. on. Maybe, maybe, gotcha. maybe. The climate That's refugees. The Wikipedia. Got it. Got it. Got it. Mm. I reckon there are probably people who listen to this podcast. Uh, Stephen being the one that comes to mind straight away, who maybe knows more about this show. I'd love his opinion on this, actually, uh, about these books, I should say. But as you said, that's the interesting thing about this, right? I'd never heard of Game of Thrones either. And while Weiss and Benioff have not done much for me recently to make me look forward to anything they're making, if this is a complete trilogy that has a beginning, middle and end, it isn't a series that's still being written by somebody else. They have proven themselves to be good at adaptation. So yes, maybe you this, a good is, point. Mm-hmm. this is maybe exactly what they should be doing. Let's okay, don't make new Star Wars. We don't want them building inside yeah. like that universe with their own yeah. stuff. But if you're just going to please, adapt guys, another story, don't share your own stories. No, they're terrible. No, just take other people's. Yeah, and yeah. listen, Fair adaptation. Know what you're good is, at? It's a skill. It really is. It definitely and it's, is. Um, it's not easy to do, and people who are good at it have value. And I think there is value in this. If this is the people who apparently have read this series, they've got it's got a lot of fans, got a cult following. It sounds like an interesting story, um, potentially based on the brief Wikipedia synopsis that we barely understood. But like, I don't know. I give it some hope. I'm not completely ruling it out at this stage. Also, Ryan Johnson is apparently also executive producing. So you know, that's not nothing. That is not nothing. Very, very yeah. well said, sir. Mm. Thank you. Uh, some shows or a show that's been ordered to series, Peacock, that's NBC's new streaming service, has picked up MacGruber for an eight-episode first season. Will Forte is set to rep- reprise his SNL and cult film character of MacGruber. Have you ever watched MacGruber Damask? It sounds very familiar. I'm sure I have watched it on YouTube when the very movie drunk. Mag- Oh, sure, sure, sure. The, the like, movie stuff. is sort of considered to be a bit of a cult hit or a cult favourite mm-hmm. these days. It was one of those movies that people seem to think is very, very good, but didn't get any love at the box office and sort of, if you saw it, you understand it was fantastic. And this is very mm-hmm. exciting for those people. I have not seen it either. I'm not familiar with the SNL character either. I am familiar with MacGyver, which is pretty obviously what this is sort of spoofing mm. off. Um, but maybe we need to both go and watch the movie. So we yeah. can have a opinion on the this Will as well. Forte, you said? Will Forte, yeah. I love him so much. I think yeah. he's wonderful. It's I mean, exciting. I think Kristen Wiig has a big role in the in the original movie as well. I don't know. Cool. Might be worth checking out. Anyway, that's coming at some stage. So looking forward to that on Peacock. Some premiere dates. FX's Fargo Season 3, I wrote, but now I'm thinking about I think it's 4, is set to premiere on September 27th. Because um, I believe there's already been three seasons of Fargo, hasn't there? Couldn't tell you. I'm pretty sure it's season four. I wrote that down wrong. Anyway, that's premiering September 27th, the first episode of that. So look forward to that. I need to catch up on Fargo. I'm way behind. The Mandalorian season two is set to premiere on Disney Plus on October 30. Now that is something I am excited about. Yes. Very much looking forward to that myself. I need some more cuteness in my life. So, yay. I also just need a reason to keep my Disney Plus subscription. Uh, so that's mm. going to be a big one. We're still waiting to hear about whether we're going to get uh, WandaVision this year, which seemed to be suggested at one stage, but nothing has been confirmed It's there. not looking anyway. good, though, is it? Well, nothing's looking good. Everything's being <laughs> delayed. That's the thing. It's yeah. <laughs> We don't know anything at the moment. If you live in the video game sphere right now, there are two consoles that are about to come out at the end of the year. There is no release date, no pricing, and no games attached to that. Well, there's some games, but very few games attached to these things. It's like, is this even happening? Should we just 
push it back another six months. Why now, I know this isn't a video game podcast, which I have had to tell you many times. <laughs> Thanks um, for reminding but, me. <laughs> yeah. But what, what consoles are meant to come out? PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. There was a leak today, actually, on there's going to be a discless, digital-only version of the Xbox. It's going to cost less. Um, that's exciting, I guess, if you're into video games. But Series this is a TV X. podcast. Mm. Yeah, it's the worst... Don't get me started on Microsoft's console naming. It's terrible. Uh, some casting news. Jonathan Price, who you might remember was the High Sparrow in like season five of Game of Thrones. There's been a bunch of other stuff as well, though. Has oh, been yeah. cast in The Crown season five and six as the new Prince Philip. Of course, the previous incarnations of Prince Philip were played by Matt Smith and Tobias McKenzie. No, Tobias Menzies. Got that wrong. Thank you. Uh, he will play uh, Prince Philip alongside Emilda Staunton as Queen Elizabeth II, which we've reported about re- uh, previously. Also, Australian actress Elizabeth Debicki has been cast as Princess Diana for The Crown season five and six. Um, are you familiar with these actors? Are you excited about their casting? To be honest, Jonathan Price is a great actor. Does not come to mind when I think of how it's particularly like current day Prince Philip looks. They don't share much of a resemblance at all. I don't think. I mean, I I think the makeup artists on set will have a lot of fun with Prince Philip. Just any sure. if they've ever done ghouls before for a film or something, <laughs> just be doing that. That's fine. Um, I don't know. Like with this show, I just like to wait and see the performances because they're always sure. so different and never really what I expect. Anyway, um, sure. I'll certainly be watching it, but I don't know. I, I still love the original cast the most. So. Are you? Are you familiar with Elizabeth Debicki? Have you seen her before? Do you know her? Have you seen her anything? She's I'll in need the to new see her face. Christopher Nolan um, film Tenant. She's one of the actresses in that. She was also, I believe, had a part in The Great Gatsby um, when that came oh. out. Baz Luhrmann's version. Every time my partner sees this actress on anything, she's like, "Oh, I met her once, and she said I was very pretty." So that's how oh, I really? know her. She oh, called my right. partner pretty once. <laughs> that's gotcha. About, that's about the extent of my knowledge in that. Uh, uh, she yeah. looks the part from like seeing her like photographs and then comparing it to Princess Diana. I think she's a really good like lookalike, yeah. which is cool. She's also six foot three. Everyone wants to talk about that she's like a giantess. She's like quite tall and she's going to be taller than everybody else in the cast. Which a giantess. Di- <laughs> yeah. Which obviously <laughs> Diana wasn't as far as I'm concerned, but mm-hmm. who cares? That's the... Magic she can TV, walk around right? on her knees. The magic of film. <laughs> she could. Or everyone else has to, you know, walk on milk crates or apple carts or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try and get this name right. Ayo Edibiri. Ayo Edibiri has been cast as the new voice of Big Mouth's Missy, replacing Jenny Slate. Mm. So for upcoming seasons of Big Mouth. So we talked about this um, previously. A lot of those characters of color that have been played by white actors. Some of them mm. have been stepping down or have been replaced, and this is one of the first castings I've come across. I'm not familiar with the actress, but you know, it's good to see that they're following through on some of that conversation that was being had. Yeah, some makes cancellations. Sense. Yeah, uh, Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. This is the Natalie Dormer sequel series to Eva Green's Penny Dreadful series has been cancelled mm. after one season. Can't say I'm surprised. I didn't know anybody who was watching. No, that one. it was truly terrible. I think I tried uh, to watch one episode and I was like, absolutely not. Doing the research for this, just catching up on like the news, there was a lot of talk mm. about how terrible the finale of the, this first season was. 
Anyway, uh, Hassan Minaj's comedy slash news talk show Patriot Act has been cancelled by Netflix after six seasons. This is one I do feel sad about. It's not a show I've watched religiously, but I've watched a lot of it here and there. Um, mm. It was a great little show, sort of in the same vein as um, last week, tonight. What's the show mm-hmm. uh, that John Oliver? Yeah, that's, um, that's sort of, or the daily show, that sort of like news and informative reporting type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it quite entertaining and very good. I maybe it wasn't for everybody, but for what it was, I liked it. One of the only like talk show or like live audience things on Netflix, apart from like comedy specials, I've ever really enjoyed. Um, mm. So a bit sad that one's gone. Oh, I had six seasons, so that's pretty good. Six seasons isn't bad. It's true. It just also feels like like shows like that are very valuable this day and age. Um, mm-hmm. And whenever one of them disappears, it's like well, there's just less information out in the world, less good reporting, which is a shame. Had you watched it much? I haven't watched all? a single episode of it. Oh. I didn't even know that that yeah. was what it was. I thought it was, oh, okay. yeah, something else. Cool. Definitely worth your time. I, it might be worth going through and seeing if any of the topics interest you. They range mm. in like how long episodes go for and stuff quite a bit. But yeah, check it out. Uh, the Venture Bros, this is breaking today news, has been cancelled after seven seasons and 81 episodes. It premiered on Adult Swim in 2003. Have you ever watched Venture Bros, Damas? I've watched an episode here and there, but not much. Hmm. I think a lot of people are a bit sad about this. Very popular mm. television show. Looking at the way it was being received the last season or two, still doing very well. Just seems to have a very tumultuous like release schedule. Seven seasons over what's over 15 years is, sure. a, is a long time. Um, so apparently they were writing season eight at the time they found out they were being cancelled. But uh, yeah, it's sad news for fans of Venture Bros. In other news, Stranger Things season four has been confirmed to not be the final season um, of Stranger Things. That's confirmed by co-creator of the show, Ross Duffer, if that means anything to you. Sure. I don't. I think they're going to milk this for as long as they possibly can. That doesn't shock me. Apparently, in the same interview, he said they now know when and how the show ends. One of the things oh, I'm sure they about, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. 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 But one of the things <laughs> they're apparently they talking about... They say that, don't they? ...is how the delays in production because of COVID-19 allowed them to really just sort of give them time to knuckle down on really breaking that story and figuring that all out, laying plans from there. We've heard that before with Westworld. Apparently, that's why mm-hmm. season one was like delayed production. They stopped and came back to it later and they had a big plan. I would suggest that's bullshit based on what I've seen of the show. Yes. So, we'll see if that's true. Or, or maybe they did have a plan and that no one was around to tell them that it was fucking crap. Could maybe be that's that what too. happened. Yeah. Uh, I do want to end our little um, news section just talking about one story in particular. And I sent this to you earlier, Damascus, and got you to have a look at it. Mm, uh, I'm going to read from an article by Britt Hayes at the AV Club. The article is titled, That Dramatic Fresh Prince Viral Teaser Actually Led to a Dramatic Fresh Prince Reboot. And so I quote from the article, Last March, a fan-made trailer for a dramatic reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air went viral shortly after landing on YouTube. Created and directed by Morgan Cooper, the trailer for Bel-Air reimagines the classic sitcom as a drama about a young man from West Philadelphia who gets arrested after a fight, so his mum sends him off to live with his auntie and uncle in the upscale California neighbourhood. It didn't take long for the video to catch the attention of original Fresh Prince Will Smith, who went with Cooper and began developing the idea for a potential reboot per The Hollywood Reporter. That reboot is now becoming a reality as Smith is teaming up with Fresh Prince producers Quincy Jones, Benny Medina and creators Susan and Andy Borowitz to executive produce the new Bel Air alongside Cooper, who will also serve as director and writer for the series. Now, that's kind of exciting if you're a 
fan of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? Uh, mm. You know, I remember that show myself. It was on sort of free-to-air television, sort of like that 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock time slot yeah. on like Channel 10 or something like that. I've seen, you know, bits and pieces of it as much as I've probably seen of like Full House or other sitcoms of the time. Are you a fan of the French Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Oh, huge fan, Brod. Famously a big Fresh Prince head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I really enjoyed watching Fresh Prince as a kid growing up after school. Um, I always thought it was really funny. I, Will Smith has always been incredibly charismatic. Of course. Um, yeah, I really, really liked it. Does that mean I feel the call mm. for a gritty reboot? Um, no. However, I'm not opposed to the idea. Uh, you sent me the link to that kind of trailer which is, yeah, the teaser. Well, this, this for- was the fan-made, like, it was yes. like a proof of concept, I guess, video. Yeah. But the reason I, I wanted you to see that and then get this news, and the reason I wanted to talk about it, because I watched that trailer, and to me, it seems like parody, right? What it's doing, yeah. it seems like it's making fun of the idea of a gritty reboot of a TV show like The French, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? When we talk about Riverdale, we talk about what they're doing with the Powerpuff Girls and all that sort of stuff, right? It seems like they are making fun of like, imagine they did this for The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and the way that it like uses lines from the original theme song or like does the Carlton dance where they do and all that sort of stuff. It's made to like, look at you, let's manufacture your nostalgia into this other thing that is totally inappropriate for this source material <laughs> and let's laugh at it. Mm-hmm. And that was my reaction to watching the video. And so the That's fact that this is now being taken mm. by the people involved in the original and going, huh, this is actually a great idea. Let's go and make this show blows my fucking mind. That is <laughs> that is Hollywood to the nth degree. It's like, yeah, oh, that, I mean, they didn't I don't see the think joke. your re- I don't think your reaction is incorrect. Mm. I think um when talking about like any of these gritty reboots or whatever, particularly like Riverdale or whatever. I mean, they are a parody and sometimes they realise that and sometimes they don't. Um, and I guess now perhaps we know that the person who made that teaser trailer made it sincerely. I don't know what the original intention was. I'm not sure. Um, however, I think if you were to do a reboot of Fresh Prince, I probably wouldn't make it as dramatic as the trailer is. However, I don't think doing a reboot of Fresh Prince now in the same tone would be appropriate. Given how now how more oh. how more informed the audience sure. is about, you know, wealth disparity and how that plays into racial tensions and racial violence and what it would be like to live within a white community and have like, you know, appropriate discussions around that. Sure. Um, so... If the show looks and feels like that teaser trailer, not looking forward to it. But I don't know. Who knows what it's going to look like? But that's the with thing all that's that crazy money to and me, workshopping. Sure, it is still. They got the guy who made that trailer and went, "I like your idea. Let's do something about mm-hmm. this." It's not like they went and went. Uh, that's like triggered something in me, an idea. Maybe we should try and think about how can we reboot this show into something yeah. more modern. They went directly to the source and said, hey, we want you to make this thing. It's like, well, it suggests they want to buy into the vision that's in that thing. And I'll put well, a like, link to I, this video well, in the I don't show necessarily notes. Agree. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think if you see someone who has an idea or is a filmmaker 
and you mm. recognize that they have some skill you see that they have this idea. If you then go, oh, that sparked something in me with all my money and resources, I'm just going to take that and then make my own TV show. I mean, I think they it's quite do own res- the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, they can do course, whatever they want. They can IP. Of course they do. They don't need but to if go that's to your, him. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if that's your inspiration, you see that and you're like, oh, cool, maybe we should do that. To then go and do it is a fucking dick move. So to actually the- incorporate him in it, I think it's quite good. That's listen. If that's the vision they want, that is the right thing to do. The question is, if that's the vision they want, why? But you're, you're <laughs> assuming that he has a singular vision. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of collaboration going on. Sure, maybe sure, it'll sure. evolve. Anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. Just in terms of, yeah, what that trailer to me represented, and then to get that reaction from it, all power to mm. uh, Morgan Cooper for you know he's got a job yeah. out of this, and that's fantastic. Imagine getting and- that call. Oh my god! Totally, hey, it's Will totally. Smith. Um, and I actually quite like this this fan made teaser trailer thing. is good. Like it's it's made with skill, and I think what it's trying to do, it does. What I think it's trying to do, it does so successfully that I like support that entirely. It's more the question of the people who then went. Now let's go make that into a series because I saw potential in that to make that a series. That's the bit that like I doesn't compute anymore. It's it's not. The person making it, it's certainly not their ability to get a job out of this. That good for them. It's more, mm. what, what, what are you? Why? What are you doing? I don't think you understood what this this was. At least I didn't feel that way. Yeah, I think like just because it is that basics. So this, I, I see a, a, a quite a difference between say Riverdale mm-hmm. and what it kind of culturally is. You know, generally speaking, as opposed to Fresh Prince of Bel Air, because the story, like the basic story that is in the the theme song could play mm. dramatically, so that makes sense. Making Riverdale this ultra-sexy um, gangbang relay, like it's it, like there is such a disparity there that it's like, well, this is clearly a parody because this is nutso and also just terribly done. Um, so like the fact that the within the fresh prince the actual storyline could be a serious story and told in that tone eh, I'm, I'm not that i'm not that blown away by like i can't believe they're doing this do you think everyone that watches riverdale understands that it is a parody of the original source material no i think like predominantly they're teenagers and like very dramatic love affairs and stuff are wonderful at, like when I was a teenager watching, or I was really a child watching Dawson's Creek, I didn't realize the way they were speaking was so fucking obnoxious and ridiculous <laughs> and laughable. I'm like, I want to talk like that too when I'm 16. Um, now I watch it as an adult. And I'm like, this this is fucking ridiculous. Um, so no, I think they just enjoy it for what what it is. A bit of, you know, it's it's their soap opera. Cool. Let's move on. We have an email from listener Becky from Richmond, Virginia. She has written in before. Um, we asked listeners, had anyone started watching Avatar The Last Airbender or Korra because of our reviews? And it turns out she got back to us and said, yes, she was one of those people. So that's very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, she's written Lovely. to us again. Uh, I will say, Becky, thank you for the email first and foremost. And if anyone else would like to contact us, email us, ask us questions, comment, whatever, please do so by contacting us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at Hunting S-Cast. Um, 
This is an abridged version of the email. It was a great email, Becky, but I didn't want to read all of it out. So I'm just going to get to the, the bulk of it here. Hello again, Broderick and Damask. I was listening to your spoiler-free segment of Harley Quinn. I can't wait to check it out. A lot of Damask comments about female friendship and wanting them to make out got me wondering if you guys have ever seen the newish Netflix animated show, She-Ra, The Princess of Power. I binged it all back in June, and wow, it blends so much of what I love about Buffy and Avatar. See, Becky knows how to appeal to us by talking about <laughs> those shows, mm. uh, while also being completely unique and wonderful. Also, representation fitting of 2020. I don't want to give anything away, so I'm scared to say too much more. I didn't know much going in, and the journey was something special. But please just know that in the dark and dreary hell that is 2020, She-Ra is some much-needed light and adventure and whimsy and love. Uh, so, Damask, have you watched any of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power? I have, yes. I think I've watched two seasons of it. I was at least in the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get why people like it. I didn't very much. Um, I just couldn't attach myself to any of the characters. Sure. Um, I, I guess they were... At the point that I had stopped watching, they lacked a bit of depth for me at that point. And okay. I really wanted to invest in, you know, you know, I love, yes, I love female friendship and I love chosen family narratives. So I was waiting for a bit more of that um, mm-hmm. or for me to be emotionally invested in those relationships. And at that stage, I just wasn't. I think like the the character of, I think her name's Katra. She's like mm-hmm. the baddie, one of the baddies. Um I quite enjoyed her. I, I found her to be complicated and nuanced enough that I was like, oh, she's really interesting. And her friendship, um, no matter how complicated with She-Ra, was quite interesting. Uh, it was more like this, the, the side characters, like the, the other friends of hers that were the, the good guys. I just found them to be a bit boring and simple. Yeah. Sure. I've seen the first episode or two, I think, only. And I didn't stop because I wasn't enjoying it. It was just one of those things I dipped in to see it because there's a lot of talk about this reboot because the original mm-hmm. She-Ra uh, TV series had a very, very different look and art style. And there was a lot of discussion about how they'd updated the look, um, went from hypersexualized, like mm-hmm. feminine sort of look um, to something a little bit more modern, I would say. Um, and maybe more realistic in terms of like body proportions and types of bodies you might see in this show as well, which is a very cool thing. Um, but I've heard good things about the show. I think it's over now. I think it must have ended with three or four seasons. Um, but it is one of those shows I'd like to get to eventually. As I'm always yeah, looking everyone for I show know watch. that's watched it has loved it. But I, I don't know why. I just couldn't. Maybe I was in the r- wrong mindset. I don't know. But I just couldn't attach myself to it. It's funny, I was talking to my housemate, Sindel, the other day. We, she was watching Captain Marvel for the first time where we were sort of doing other things in the house. And we asked her after what she thought of it. And she's not a big Marvel fan or anything like that. But she said to me that she was disappointed because as a queer woman like yourself, Damask, she saw something in, in Carol Danvers that didn't eventuate on the screen. And so very much like you, and I think a lot of um, people in your position, they're looking for that representation in their movies and their TV shows. And so I suggested to her that maybe She-Ra was a show for her because I get the feeling Mm. there's not just female friendship, but there is some sort of queer romance stuff happening in that show. More like I remember being talked about it was doing that better than maybe other shows that we've reviewed that I won't say their name because they're spoilers because they come at the end of the season, but have done in the past. Does that sound familiar or did you get that far into the series? No, from 
what I had seen up to, I think, well into season two, from what I remember, there was like mm. subtext stuff. But you, oh, okay. I mean, you always get that in shows and particularly cartoons and stuff. I'm, I'm quite sure that, yeah, it does eventuate. I think I've seen some. I don't think I it think was fan. I think it was well. legitimate. Um, yeah. So I think it does go there, but I don't know. I don't need that stuff. <laughs> I like it. Oh, don't get me wrong. I like it. Some lady on lady smooches. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. I don't think. Becky goes on just to mention a few other things. Other shows that I have binged slash finished in quarantine that I would love your thoughts on or curious if either of you have watched. Number one, Magicians. She says, season one starts slow by season two. One of my favorite shows. Have you watched any of Magicians? No. Have I even heard of it? I'm See, wondering. See, I, I haven't watched it, but I've heard of it. Joanna Robinson, I'm pretty sure, talks about Magicians a lot. And particularly that, yeah, season two, it's like one of the, she kept saying it was one of the best shows on television. Um, like just really, really undervalued, um, completely overlooked sort of show. I know nothing about it either. Like are they actual magicians? Is this a magic show like Harry Potter? I have no idea. But you're not the first person to mention, Becky, that magicians is worth a watch. Teenage Bounty Hunters, never heard of this. New Netflix show that sounds stupid. Oh, but wow, it was actually so recently. much fun. Another one with some representation. Um, did, the, did that strike you at all? Is there representation in it? Or Apparently. is it just female friendship? I don't know. I don't know. Because well, they're Becky sisters. Does not say. In the, I think they're twins in the trailer. But they both looked really boy-obsessed because I liked the vibe of it and then I saw how boy-obsessed they were. And I was like, that makes me less inclined to watch it. Um, but I, I think I'll Ma- watch at least like one or two episodes because I, I added it to my Netflix list. Cool. Uh, Selling Sunset. This one is for Damask. It's a reality show oh, yeah. on Netflix that I could not stop watching mm-hmm. so i think you were telling me about this one as well or, or maybe a possibly a patient of mine was talking about this it wasn't me no it was like it's about like a real estate agency or something like that mm-hmm. but like yeah. it's but it's a reality show like desperate mm-hmm. ha- not desperate housewives like um housewives of sort of thing is that right yes so i have heard everyone talking about this reality show and that I should definitely get into it. And, uh-huh. you know, if you yeah love Real Housewives and all that jazz, you absolutely should. I plan on watching it. I'm really looking forward to watching it. However, I've got Real Housewives of Potomac on and Real Housewives of New York um, to watch at the moment. Though New York is finishing soon, so that might open up my schedule a little bit to fit it in. But if I've got two Housewives on... I really need to focus my attention on that, Brad, um, and that's where my loyalty lies. <laughs> so I'll wait for one of them to end, maybe both of them to end, and then I'll I'll jump on to Selling Sunset. Uh, Shit's Creek. I don't remember you guys ever talking about this one, but you've seen it, right? If not, why the hell not? Ha ha. I have um, seen I, it. It's great. All <laughs> it's of amazing. it? amazing. Yeah, I think I have seen all of it now, yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, I've, I've never got Shit's Creek. It was one of those ones I thought we might eventually... Because everyone mm. talks about it, a review for the sh- podcast. Is that something that would interest you at all? Is it yes, worth reviewing I mean, for the podcast? I think there's like there's so much of it. It's a bit of a daunting task, and I think sure. it does have beautiful um, character arcs and the evolution of of so many of those people. Really, really good, and it ends up having quite a big heart, which you don't necessarily expect from the very beginning. So that's good. It just there's just a lot of it. <laughs> sure. And so I think it would take a few seasons for us to really get into the nitty gritty of it all. 
Finally, The Umbrella Academy, season one, good, season two, great, all caps, exclamation mark. Um, I've not watched it properly. My brother has been watching it. Mm. So my brother is not has not been leaving the house. He's been stuck at home, hasn't been working at all. So I sort of, he's been watching a lot of TV, a lot more than I've had the chance to watch. Um, and I think I, he's binged all of season one and season two inside like a week or something like that. Uh, what I saw of it didn't personally impress me season one, but season two, the bits I saw definitely seemed... Uh, a lot more interesting. There's a time travel element to it that seemed like a lot of fun. And actually, yeah. some of the stuff they were talking about, like based around like JFK assassination and stuff like that, seemed pretty cool. Um, it's I tried very... to watch season one. Yeah. Didn't, Didn't... speak to me. <laughs> the, I was, <laughs> but if season I... two is great, I'm more than willing to give it another shot. In the bits I watched of it, I just kept going over, boy, they have an incredible music budget. There are so many needle drops in this show. Mm. But style alone is not enough. For me, unfortunately. Uh, hope you guys hold it together uh, slash well this year. It's a tough one. Thank you for giving me joy in 2020. You guys are the best. For the honour of Grayskull, Becky from Richmond, Virginia, <laughs> USA. Thank you very much, Cute, Becky, for, for uh, writing in. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Damask, what have you been watching? Oh, boy. So I started writing a list of all the things I've watched over the last couple of weeks now. And I found I found a bit of a trend. Um, nothing challenging. Um, either things I've watched before or know that won't hurt my brain or my heart. Right. I'm in a very a sensitive spot at the moment, Broderick. Um, I've been rewatching Avatar with Steph, and just like when Zuko scenes come on, I start to get emotional. That's where I'm at. I'm, and like Steph's like at me, like, what the mm. f- what is wrong with you? We're in season. It's like we're in season one. It's like what what are you? It's like I just know where it goes. It just makes me <laughs> making me sad right now. <laughs> also, why is she shaming you for having a heart? 
I know, I know. The first time she ever saw, apparently the first time she ever saw me cry was when we watched Toy Story 3. She's like, I've never seen you cry before. I'm like, well, if you ever want me to, this is how you do it. <laughs> Go on. Fair enough. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen you cry. Oh, no, I, yeah, I have. At the end of, um, fuck, what was it called? The last Marvel film. Oh, Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The lights went on and we were all hysterically crying like a I bunch of losers. Still can't get over that they, they did it. They just fucking did it. <laughs> they, yeah. Watching that again not long ago and I was like, I can't believe they, they nailed this ending. It's exactly what I wanted. So Yeah, I rewatched it the other day as well on Disney Plus because that and I think, yeah, Captain Marvel are the only ones with um, director commentary. Oh, really? And it, it's really oh. good with direct with the, their commentary because it's the writers and cool. the directors. Uh, it's really, really yeah. good. Captain Marvel one's a bit, but yeah, that one's good. I just want them to add more audio commentaries because I miss, because I don't have DVDs anymore or Blu-rays. So no I one does. That. And even the ones that get released don't seem to have commentaries or anything on them anymore. They're just like, just, I used to, I don't know, Frisbees with, with movies on the So stage. much time in high school spent just <laughs> re-watching my favourite movies with a bit of audio commentary. Now that's a comforting thing to do. That's a really comforting thing. Anyway, you, back to what I... Mm. Before we move on, were you like... Were you a big Lord of the Rings fan? Were you list, like watching the extended editions and their multiple commentaries on repeat? Because that was my big thing. Yeah, so we didn't have the extended editions. I remember going to friends' houses and watching them, but we just mm. had the the basic cut. And then I would I would listen to the audio commentary on those, though. Lovely. And They're all the special features. Like, just hours and hours of special features on that was mwah, gorgeous. One of my favorite audio anymore. commentaries was on Mean Girls. I, I, I found that really relaxing to listen to Tina Fey talk sure. to me as I fell asleep in high school. It was very nice. Back on track. What have you been watching, Tamask? <laughs> yeah. So I've, because we're in our lockdown in Melbourne has been extended for another, at least another two weeks. Um, our premier, <laughs> bless him. By all the deities that have ever exi- existed, I think he's wonderful. Um, yeah, he gave us a roadmap that says, like, life won't be normal until at least, like, November. And it, it just crushed me. Um, so I've made a list of all the things I've been watching to try to comfort myself. Mm-hmm. And I've rated them in accordance to how comforting they were to me personally. So perhaps Lovely. people out there can you know, gather some inspiration. If you have any more comforting shows, please like tweet me or email us because I I really need That's it right now. I've, I'm breaking into tears at least once a day. Just and I'm fine. Like I'm healthy. I've I've got a home, I've got a roof over my head. It's I'm all fine. But it's taken its toll. It's taken its toll. I like the idea of this being like the sister list to our quarantine TV special mm-hmm. list, right? Which was like 30, 40, 50, 100, whatever it was, shows that we were recommending. Like when the optimism was, you've got all this free time in your hands, go and watch those shows you've been meaning to watch forever. I have barely touched any of the shows on that list because it's way too much for my brain to have to think about something that's challenging yeah. and like like this is the actual right list we now. should be making. Gone from the I don't optimism task at all. No, to to the other side. I need yeah. comfort. Only give me comfort food, please. Yes. Mm. I mean, I've got two assignments due on Friday. Haven't touched them. Haven't touched them because I refuse to. I'm like, I'm going through enough right now. Um, all right. So here is my list. So to, to start off with, I've been re-watching and just like 
consuming like I'm a a rabid beast that's seen like flesh for the first time in months. I'm just destroying this. I'm rewatching all of Sex and the City, the TV show. Okay. Um, now this this is not a recommendation if you have not watched the show before. This is if like me you have watched it a million times over and over again. I remember my first girlfriend. She lived in a studio studio apartment. And I was just like, I think I was just a uni student at the time. So she would go to her nine to five and I would be stuck in her tiny studio apartment. And this is back in the day before like we had Netflix or anything. She just had those burnt barley DVDs. Oh, sure. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All she had was um, all of Sex and the City and all of Seinfeld. So I would just like go between the two. Um, so I've watched Sex and the City so many times um, and it – you know, it's comforting to me because one, I know it. So it's like, you know, a story, you know, no surprises. It also looks nothing like my life. <laughs> like they're, they're, they're the straight women. In that sense. Yeah. They're the straight women that I would never hang out with in a million fucking years. I would hate it. Um, I will say though. So firstly, don't start watching it. If you haven't watched it before, it's not going to be comforting for you. It's you're going to want to pull your hair out. Also, it loses some very big points because of biphobia and transphobia and just Carrie generally being a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> so it does lose points for that. But if you just want to like put something on while, I don't know, you wash the dishes, it can be good. Um, so that's, I've given that five out of ten weighted blankets. So that'll be my rating system. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. Okay. All right. The next one, I don't know if you've watched this Right, I've only just started watching it, but it's um eight out of ten cats does countdown. I've seen a reasonable amount of it. Yeah. Yes. So for those at home, it's a UK kind of quiz show. Um, generally, it's it's the original version of it is for kind of like boomers, retirees, like your grandma. Excuse me. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's for everybody. It was loads okay, of numbers man. in Australia. It was on SBS. It's had Lily Center in it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. I love that show. It's one of the better okay, game shows nerd. on TV. <laughs> nerd. Nerd. <laughs> um, explain what the actual game show part of it is? Yes. Well, I was going to before I was so Sorry. rudely interrupted um, by an eight-year-old stuck <laughs> in a 30-year-old's body. <laughs> so what happens is you've got different teams and you just do a series of really repetitive like number games, so like equations and then like... No, spelling games. No, 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 no. That is such a poor representation. It's letters and numbers games. You know, I really do feel like I'm being yelled at by my grandma. So (laughs) please go ahead, (laughs) bruh. You are given nine letters each round and you have to try and make the biggest word you can out of that. Yes. It's kind of like scrabble in that sense. And you get points based on how how big the word is compared. And if you, the other team doesn't get points if they don't get a word the same Mm -hmm. length. And then numbers wise, you get like six numbers. And then from that, you have to do, try and do an equation to make it equal a number that's randomized that comes up. That's the main stuff. It's, it's not. There's a numbers game. There's a letters game. It's an anagram game and there's a, an equation game. It's great. It's cool. great. Cool, Brad. I'm sure there are lots of listeners driving around listening to the podcast, going, <laughs> "Oh, it sounds a bit shit." Wait, you get nine letters. I'm in. Um, so that's good for. <laughs> <laughs> God, you're obnoxious sometimes. I love I'm it. Coming into back right. that game show. It's such a great game show. 
Look, I didn't realize it was such a, a passionate thing for you, but that's I'm I'm happy for you. Anyway, so this is a version of that game played by a group of comedians. So it's just very simple. It's very repetitive. It's straightforward. It's a such a good distraction from the horror of the world. Um, it does lose a couple of points here and there, though, just because quite a few of the comedians love to just very easily veer towards misogyny. Um, that does happen quite often, so it loses some points for that. But otherwise, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty lighthearted good show. So I've given that one six out of ten weighted blankets. It's a, it's a pretty Not solid eight out of ten cats. Okay. Well, the, I mean, I don't make the the system. You know, I've it's, I've done a very Serious equation, a point well, system as to how this maths. is worked out. Eight out of ten cats is the same as six out of ten weighted blankets. It's good to know exactly. if they yeah, ever comes a up on those numbers slash it's countdown. I will understand the conversion. Yeah, good. There you go. Perfect. All right, <laughs> my next one. I did not expect that part of this segment to blow up. <laughs> by the way. It's a real shock, um, but a welcome one. So thank you. All right, the next one is simply making it. So, obviously, it's with, I was about to say Leslie Nope. It's got Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. They are hosting a very relaxed competition show, much like, you know, your British Bake Off, things like, oh, I was about to say nailed it, but without the huge failure, I guess. Um, So, it's about you get a group of crafters and usually they craft in very different ways, a whole bunch of different mediums. They, you know, they have two tasks, I'm quite sure, per episode. Um, and, yeah, they just have to make cute shit to kind of represent themselves, represent what they can do, while Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler just walk around making adorable jokes at each other. Um, so I love this for one reason. It's cute that they both wanted to do a show together again. That yeah. warms my heart. That it's very, very, very low stakes. We're talking crafting here. Um, so that's that's also comforting. I will say there are some slightly obnoxious Americans in there. So if you're not American, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so there's a couple <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of contestants where you're like, oh, we, yeah, I don't need to go further into that. We know what we're talking about. You've said um, all you need to say. <laughs> exactly. But mostly it's people being very kind and supportive with a bit of silly humour on top. Um, so, But I will say because of the low stakes, sometimes you will find yourself doom scrolling on Twitter because mm-hmm. um, you're not 100% engaged. So it loses some points for that. But it does get a pretty good 7 out of 10 weighted blankets. That's not nothing. Have you watched That's that, That's something bro? like 10, it's like eight and a half out of 10 cats, I think. You've got it, buddy. <laughs> You're ready for countdown. I haven't I haven't watched Making It. I remember it being announced. I think it was the coolest idea mm. ever. And I don't know where to watch it in Australia, so I haven't seen it. So. It's on Binge in Australia. <sighs> well, I'm not watching anytime soon then, am I? I've, right. I've given you my email and password. Right. What are you talking about? I've even right. made you yeah. an account. Have you not, not logged so on yet? Because I've given you a beautiful avatar that I think you'll really appreciate. <laughs> All right. I'll put that on my list of things to do. Log on to binge tonight. Okay. Beautiful. All right. The next one is High Score. It's on Netflix. It's like a, a limited oh, series, yes. docu-series about gaming, the the beginnings of video games, uh, the people who created them. Um, 
it's it's a nice kind of little education that I got about the origins of games and the people who made them and also an element I really enjoyed. It also included like just people who love them, who have, mm-hmm. you know, engaged in competitions and stuff, sure, but just genuinely love to play them. Uh, it's it's a nice way to spend an afternoon listening to a bunch of creatives who are passionate about the thing that they love and they're expressing that. Um, it's also quite an inclusive celebration of the diverse minds and bodies of people who are in that world. Um, yeah, I, I, I learnt a lot. Um, everyone who was on it was incredibly engaging in their own way. It really took me on a journey of like where it started to kind of where we, I'd say probably goes to the very early 2000s. Sure. When was, when, oh, no, maybe the 90s. When did Doom come out? Doom's like, yeah, early 90s. Yeah, so that's kind of where it stops. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I didn't expect to, but I really loved it. It, it got 8 out of 10 weighted blankets from me. I, um, I've been meaning to watch that show because obviously I have an interest in video games. I noted mm-hmm. from the trailer it seems like they're really hitting the high, like, high notes when it comes to like video game history. It's like, are they talking about like Atari, Nintendo, Sega, um, like competitiveness there a little bit as well. They talk about that notor- mm-hmm. notorious ET game on the Atari yes. that almost so that's sunk the, the entire video game yeah. industry. <laughs> so that's in the first episode. And I right. think if you've watched any kind of gaming documentary, it's very often really about that. Mm-hmm. So you get that in the first episode and I was like, oh, I've kind of heard all these stories before, particularly like the ET one. Um, and then as we move further into how we went from kind of one style of playing to another and the minds behind that and what was happening in there, both internally and externally to kind of lead them down that path of being really revolutionary and yeah. inventive. Um, as we moved down that road a little further, I was more and more engaged and cool. learning. That's when I started to learn things that I hadn't learnt before so that was really exciting i think a friend of mine was uh, involved in the making of this show actually it's the same group that do great big story uh if you've seen their little videos and stuff that often on social media and stuff like that they do like little uh they're not even news stories they're like human interest stories they'll turn to like mm. a five minute video that's a cbs or something related um company anyway cool stuff cool All right, so my second last one. So second from the top, we have Taskmaster. So Brod and his brother Liam recommended this show. It is perfect. It is the perfect distraction. I've only – I think I started maybe two days ago. I finished season one. I'm on to season two now. Um, You can get that for free in Australia on SBS On Demand, all of season one. And then they must be releasing it week to week because – the first episode of season two is up at the moment as well. Oh, that's excellent. Okay, good. Yeah. So that's really good. Um, so this is – I'm going to let you describe it, Brod, because you're going to yell at me again. No, no, you go ahead. No, you'll be, you'll be fine. Okay. As long as it's not saying it's letters and numbers games. Come <laughs> well, on, guys. Well, it's not. It's not letters and numbers. Well, sometimes it is, no. I suppose. Um, so you have a group of four comedians, and so it's the same group throughout five Five. This is why I'd be terrible at Countdown. So you have five <laughs> comedians. <laughs> um, and so – and they last throughout the whole season because I, I thought it was going to be different comedians per episode, but it's not, and I think that's great. Um, mm-hmm. So they, each episode they have three tasks. Did I get that right? Uh, it depends on the episode. No, four. It can often be more. No, they have yeah. four tasks, one of which is live at the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And these tasks are – 
ridiculous. They are off the wall. Um, and the way that you have to tackle them, you really generally you really have to be very, very creative because most of the times there'll be time. So the, the quickest one to do, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so you watch these creatively minded people really try to tackle it in interesting ways. So, and also they're comedians. So it's just naturally very, very funny. Um, Let, let's give an example of the sort of stuff. Like the, the mm-hmm. task could be as simple as let get this ball into this bucket, but you can't touch it with your hands. Right. Mm-hmm. And so somebody might try and then kick it into the bucket or whatever like that. And that seems like the most direct way, but also a bad way of doing it. A smart person, yeah. someone who's thinking outside the square might go and put some gloves on, pick it up and put it in and go, well, I never touched it. And that would count. Yeah. And so it's like, it's all about trying to be as crazy as possible. They might also have tasks like do the most unusual thing with this duck. And then someone might go and get married to this duck. And that might be considered completing the task. And you're like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? But that's the point. It's meant to be ridiculous and they get a lot yes. of ridicule for it. It's very funny. And the the judge, so the taskmaster, it's completely subjective. So you might think you know who is going to win that task just by <laughs> the simple way that things are phrased. But he might be like, actually, I don't appreciate the way that you're looking at me right now. You're in last place. Things like that. Um, so like their relationships kind of come out more and more as the weeks go on um there you certainly have your underdogs you have your your cheeky monkeys who is always trying to cheat that kind of thing um it does lose a a bit of a point because there's only one female contestant in both of the seasons i've watched whereas you have yeah good because at this point you have like every other contestant is a male and then you have both the taskmaster and his PA who are men as well. So it's just a shit ton of men. Um, so a bit more ladies would be nice, but it's good to know there that are, that There changes. are definitely more ladies later on. They do a good job cool. later on of having sort of someone that's more a woman of our age than a woman who's a little bit older, sort of in a midlife, midlife, like, yeah, mid, middle-aged woman. And then... One the, foot my in the grave, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah, but my criticism is always there seems to be one person of colour. It's like every mm. time there's, it's like if it was tokenistic, there was one woman per season to begin with. It seems even more tokenistic when there is one person of color every season. Yes, or that it's always the same. <laughs> it gets a yeah. little bit better as the show goes on. And there's something like five or six or seasons or something like that. There's so much of it, which is the wonderful thing as well. It's like, and it is so easy to just fall into the hole of watching episode after episode after episode it is mm. perfect distraction. It's like yeah, I really the- resented Angela today because she's under the weather and so she's had to go have a nap. And I just wanted to watch Taskmaster all day. <laughs> she- and so she crawled off to bed very sick and I was like, you're mm. a fucking bitch. That's how, I- <laughs> that's how passionate I am like, and addicted to this show I am right now. I couldn't believe it that she could leave me So because I-, I can't watch it without her because, well, we all know why you can't do that because <laughs> you're a real jerk. <laughs> she I'm, gla- I'm really time. glad you're anyway, loving that show because I think it is it's it's fantastic. It's so I'm good. a big fan of like British panel shows as they are. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a big fan yeah. of w- Would I Lie to You and QI and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But this might be my favorite one I've ever it's watched. It's so I much I fun. I really love it. I really love it. And it makes it. you want to play it. I'm like, well, how would I tackle that? Like what would I do? Like, well, it's, it's so, so much fun. What? Back again in the optimistic days of COVID, right? Back way back when, right? When we were like, let's do Don't things remember. and make the most of our time. Liam mm. was so into the show. My brother was so into the show. He was considering 
having a Taskmaster tournament that he could have run online, he'd be like the Taskmaster and give people tasks to do that have to do in front of their camera and stuff like that, which I love the idea of. That's there is cool. a board game and there is a book which gives you, you can like just take tasks from it. Alex Horn, he's actually legitimately does this stuff. All right. So my final one to give the people a bit of comfort, and this show is 100% that. It's called Hiori's Bed and Breakfast. Have you watched it, Rod? No. What is this? Uh, it's on Netflix. Um, at the moment, they have two seasons. I'm not sure if there's more. Who knows? But it is a Korean show. So, if prepare for subtitles. Um, it is a, an old Korean, not old, she's like 40, Korean pop star. Old, who, ancient. Yeah, exactly. Disgusting. Um, who wants to say that? <laughs> so... It's like the top of her career, she got married to this kind of not certainly definitely not as famous musician guy, just kind of left and went to live on this island with him. Um, so they just live in this cute little house with a bunch of dogs and cats and stuff. So the show is, and they don't really like people. They don't like strangers. So that's why they moved there. This show is, it's just a bunch of like CCTV things up. They have brother. people come and stay at their bed and breakfast on this sleepy little island and all it is is watching them. There's no drama. Nothing ever happens. It's just watching them have really cute, beautiful conversations while they make dinner or they're out sunbaking in the beautiful courtyard. Sometimes they'll like play a bit of music. They'll have a barbecue. That's all it is. That is the entire show. And if you're like me and you found meditation kind of really hard, like you can't stop your mind problem solved with this show <laughs> it is the most relaxing thing i've ever watched like i entered a new realm of calmness i was just i was so happy just to watch their their cats like walk over to the cat bowl and eat and then oh one element that i love is that the way that it's edited is like they'll have all these kind of pop-ups like annotations of what's happening so the one cat will walk in and they'll be like, oh, this is blah, blah, blah. He's a really fat cat. Look at him eat so much. Like just little things like that. And you're like, that's cute. And then, you know, Hiori will be chopping carrot. And then they'll be like, they'll pull like, pull like a stress bubble above her. Like, well, she's having a hard time with those carrots. <laughs> things like, like It's things like that. And it just makes me smile. And it's, it's quite possibly the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And you won't expect to. Like you'll watch the first episode and be like, nothing's happened. And then all of a sudden you're watching the second episode <laughs> and then the third episode and you're like, I think this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life <laughs> and I'm okay with that. So it gets a 10 out of 10 weighted blankets. Unreal. Um, what was it called again, sorry? It's Hiori's Bed and Breakfast. Hiori's Bed and Breakfast. We have to give that one a go soon. Um, oh, it's wonderful. Just on the, just, it's come to mind, um, going way off topic all the time, but that's what this show is, off topic, hot topic. We talked recently, I've been watching Big Brother Australia, right? Mm-hmm. And I lamented yep. that they were doing this survivor, like like domestic survivor bullshit with it, right? And that really annoyed me. Mm-hmm. Liam and I decided to go back and watch some of the original Big Brother season one, season two, season three. Let me tell you, that show is You know is how trash. Liam got that idea? I got it from you. I yeah, that's that. right. Thank you. <laughs> But watching like an hour of it, I was like, this is trash. I don't know why I ever liked it. 
<laughs> I take I back my criticism. Angela and it's I so started watching watch. the premiere episode, and that was just fun because it had like the host that we all know, Gretel Colleen, who's, who's very great. funny. She very is good. so good in that role, yeah. So talented. Um, and then we're like, you know, but then it went on and on and on. It's like, okay, well, let's just watch a random episode of the first season. It was the shittest thing. <laughs> so bad. It's terrible. It's nothing. It's and nothing. It's, it really is nothing. And people are like, well, the thing you just described was literally nothing as well. It, <laughs> yeah, it's no. not. It's not, though, because this is really fun and calming and good. And feel it literally feels like you've gone on holiday. And I think if you're at home and you can't leave the house, yeah. you visit this tiny, beautiful Korean island. You watch like their guests randomly go fishing or go to the beach. They come back, have a really wholesome dinner together and get to know each other because they like have people coming and going all the time. So it feels like you're on a holiday. Big Brother feels it's like... Watching like, a, like a, it's like watching a St. Kilda backpackers or something like that. That's what it's yeah, like. Yeah, it's like you're in <laughs> lockdown with the most bogan people that live on your street. Like that's exactly. what it is. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, I just couldn't believe. Now I just want Gretel Colleen to come back for season two of the new Big Brother Australia. Oh, Forget her please. instead of Sonia Kruger, who unfortunately has not been very good as a host on that show. Then we might well, be onto shit. something there. She's really bad. She's really she's bad in that shit. role. Yeah. Uh, I want to add to your list. And I, I can say that, that because... She's an asshole, so I feel oh, okay. comfortable saying that. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say it again. She was shit. Uh, <laughs> a couple other things I want to mention, though, since we're talking about, like, calming, awesome stuff to watch. You just want to chill mm-hmm. out, you know, weighted blankets. Uh, you were talking about making it. Was that what the show was mm, called? The- yeah. So there's a YouTube series I want to bring up. I may have mentioned it before called Tested. This is Adam mm-hmm. Savage, former host, co-host of Mythbusters. It's a YouTube series. And it's just him being filmed and talking to camera sometimes, but a lot of it's just no music, though sometimes they include music. We did complain about that. They stopped doing it. Um, Just him, like, using, like, tools and making cool props, cool furniture, cool whatever, right? And it's just really fun to watch someone who's good at what they do problem solve and, like, watch the process happen. It makes you want to get creative and do things What's that called again? I want to watch that. Tested is the name of the series. I would recommend going to, yeah, it's Tested is the YouTube channel. I recommend Mm -hmm. just finding something that looks interesting to you. Maybe it's a cosplay thing he's doing. He's, like, made some unbelievable cosplay outfits. It might be um, a box or a bench or, like, all sorts of just... Crazy stuff, lightsabers. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah, no, yeah, cool. it, it's really good. He's he talks just enough without being obnoxious. He mm-hmm. makes mistakes. You get to observe him do that and correct them. Um, he had one episode that was literally him and his mum sorting Lego, and it was delightful. Um, that sounds really so relaxing. I, yeah, it, it's really good. And just fine. It's been on today in our house, and it's been lovely to have on. It's always good. You end up watching. It's like you know midnight. You chuck an episode on, and you're there two hours later, going, "I should go to bed." And I'm actually. <laughs> This is this would be okay right now. I'm, I'm relaxed. Mm-hmm. The other one I want to mention, we've talked about this previously a lot. There's a lot of D&D shows out there mm, online yeah. at the moment. The Dungeon Run is the one that I certainly connect with the That's most. I haven't favorite. watched all of it, but my brother, Liam, once again, apparently he watches way more than I do. He should be doing this podcast. He's up to date. But I know for a fact they've recently released, and I'm intending to watch it very soon, a 20 or 25-minute recap episode that the Dungeon Master... Um, Jeff Kanata it does the t- tells this recap 
and it will allow you to catch up because they're jumping back into the main quest line. And that's mm-hmm. my intention is I want to catch up on this show now because the bits I've seen, what I hear from Liam, it's truly great stuff. It's going to allow me to catch up without having to watch 60 plus episodes of this thing. Um, and I, I, I would, if anyone's interested in a new D&D show or yeah. something like that, that's really just easy watch three hours a week, whatever, in the background while you're doing mm-hmm. dishes or whatever, this is the one for you. This is a great way to jump in. Yeah, because I love Dungeon Run and I am I think I'm up to like episode 25 or something. Sure. Um, so I'm well and truly behind. I'm not going to watch the recap because I want to take my time with it and I'm happy sure. to do that. But yeah, if people feel overwhelmed by 60 plus episodes that go for three to four hours each, that makes sense. <laughs> so I think it's a great opportunity for them to do that. Um, I'm going to quickly go through my, what I've been watching, but I did want to ask, mm-hmm. I think you've watched, you've seen Mulan now, haven't you? The new Disney. I have seen Mulan. I was interested in your thoughts on Mulan because we've been debating whether we're going to watch it or not here. The news came out that it will be available to the normal Disney plus subscription without having to pay in for December. it in December. So yeah. it's only three months away and the reviews I've seen are a little bit mixed. So I'm kind of like, maybe I won't spend 35 Australian dollars to watch this right now. I've... I'll wait three months. Yeah. I think you can wait. I think, yeah, if people are strapped for cash or are umming and ahhing about it, don't watch it. You don't need to. You're not missing the best, biggest thing to come out. That's not what this film is at all. Um, It's not as good as the animated film by a long way. I mean, I love that film. I think it's great. Um, I think it's a great film with a really average third act. Um, I wondered whether maybe the movie does a better job of it, but um, I do like that movie a lot. Yep. So I've got a couple of notes that I put down. And don't get me wrong, I had a really fun time watching it and Mm. it was really nice and I think good for me to have something new and to be excited for. Um, It felt like I was going to the movies and that was really important. So if you want a feeling like that, this is your opportunity to do that if you have the money to. Um, So I will say this. The character of Mulan wasn't distinct or dynamic by any stretch of the imagination. She was quite bland. And at the beginning, I was excited because they almost made her seem like a bit of a superhero. And I thought, oh, this Mm. is going to be an interesting take about her um, almost like having this this power that has to be – Um, suppressed by the society she lives in. And I thought that was going to be really good. That isn't reflected in her character (laughs) at all. I think it's a real shame that we don't get more of an understanding of who she really is other than a random person in a tough position. Um, I also think that, and they try to do this a bit um, where they focus on her bonding, creating friendships I think there are too many people that they try to do that with. So it's kind of right. you'll have Mulan interacting with a group of people and ha, 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 we're all having a good time. We must be great friends. I think what you need is a strong developing friendship which will help you add stakes later in the game when you need to think about, well, what could we lose in this scenario? So I think that probably needed a bit more work. Um, one thing I do really like is – there's an added element to the baddies' motivations that was, I think, both interesting and effective. Okay. Uh, it, 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 was a, it was another layer and I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. I li- I like, I'm interested in why that person is doing the things that they are doing and I don't disagree with them, which is always 
I think a good thing to do with your antagonist. Um, what else? Oh, the score was underwhelming because, you know, it's oh. in the animated show, or animated movie. Like there's some really kind of whoa moments, you know, when she's working out and like just nailing it or like, you know, big battle scenes and the score is like, fuck yes. As like, I wanted to be stirred. It is a musical, that being said. Like they are stirring musical of, of numbers. Of course. But then yeah. like I also think of other kind of epics like that and the, yeah. how stirring those scores were. This one is understated and perhaps that's what they wanted. That's the effect that they wanted. I, It made some grand scenes feel flatter than I think they should have. Sure. I wasn't as emotionally affected because the score didn't help me get there. If you can't also, use mm. the the recognisable tune of Make a Man Out of You to good effect in your movie, you've done fucked up. Like that is <laughs> that is a home run. That is a slam dunk for mm. anyone in that position. If you haven't done that, then you've, you've, you've done bad. It's a, it's a great tune. I'm a big fan. It's um, possibly my my. Top three, probably at least top five Disney tunes. One thing that really surprised me with this film, though, um, considering it's Disney and they have all the money in the world um, except for the money owned by Amazon, but they've got the other half of it, um, (laughs) is that the CGI and special effects and visual effects and stuff looked cheap. Like it Mm. didn't look up to standard for that for Disney, it like I was shocked by that, and it made me go, "Well, I wonder what this would look like on the big screen. Like, if it looks like this on my TV, which is quite good, and visuals usually look quite lovely, but it just it it looked cheap, and I was shocked by that. And I've seen some reviews that said it, you know, it looks beautiful and all that stuff. I disagree. I don't think it looked that good. Interesting. But yeah, that's. Interesting. I mean, it was it was a fun night in that I had, but it's nowhere near as good as the animated film. You, your review is worth a watch, but don't necessarily fork out the money. Wait. No, this, certainly. This no, I think if if money is a consideration, don't do it. You can wait gotcha. for three months, yeah. Good to know. I will be doing exactly that, I think. Um, mm-hmm. All right. What I've been watching. I have been watching Mad Men. I've talked about this a few times now. We're getting through it a couple episodes a night. Most nights a week at the moment in my household. We've just finished season three and started season four. Um, without giving any spoilers away, there's something that happens at the end of season three that has a huge status quo shift into season four that is just like gold in terms of... I was already enjoying the show, but this mm-hmm. big switch up just did a great job of putting our characters in really new places that mm-hmm. only helps to... To serve to get to know them better and like understand them more and and challenge them more and it is so good, so mm-hmm. so so good. It's the most, ex- but the most excited I've been about the show so far. I'm really really enjoy it as I go. Um, I won't say anything more specific than that. Uh, I saw Birds of Prey finally. I said I was going to after we reviewed Harley Quinn. Mm. I was going to go watch Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Um, Really good. I really enjoyed it. I'm not a massive fan of the DC EU films that have come out so far. Wonder Woman has definitely been my favorite. I would mm. say that Birds of Prey is probably my second favorite and then maybe Aquaman after that. Mm. Um, 
It's definitely going for very similar themes of the Harley Quinn TV show that we talked about. It's yeah. about like leaving the Joker and trying to move on after the Joker. The biggest problem is with this movie, the Joker is not in the movie. So mm-hmm. they have to sort of use other analogs to come to that same sort of conclusion. And it gets there, I guess. But without mm-hmm. the same time or resources as the show, eh, it's a watered down version of what I got out of the TV show. So d- I yeah. definitely think the TV show is superior, which is interesting. I was so worried that because I watched it, before I watched the TV show. Sure. But obviously we had just done the TV show and then you went into Birds of Prey that you wouldn't like it at all. Whereas when I watched it, I thought it was so much fun. I was like, I think this might be one of my favourite, if not my actual favourite, female-led superhero films. Sure. Because I had so much fun with it. Like so, so much fun. I agree that the TV show is better and it's like kind of hits everything just perfectly in the way that the film possibly can't just with time can't constraints and that type of thing. No. Um, but no, I'm I, I'm I'm glad to hear that you you at least liked it. Yeah. No, I definitely did like. It. I had a really good time with that. I thought it was actually really well shot. Um, whoever's doing the cinematography was doing great. I thought it was really well directed. Uh, I liked all the cast. Most of the action scenes I thought were quite fun. It's got a funny little pacing, but generally it's like it's mm-hmm. always moving. But hints of Kill Bill in there that I really enjoyed as well. It was sort of leaning into some of that. Um, imagery or ideas and energy about the show. But overall, I thought it was I really liked it. Um, as I said, second favorite DCU film, but that's not necessarily high praise. And it's funny you talk about like your second favorite female-led superhero film because for me, Wonder Woman probably is still that. Um, but Wonder mm. Woman has her atrocious third act like Mulan does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, and- like I really like Wonder Woman. I think... I, I don't know. Like the third act is terrible. I really like that is a huge no from me. And also like I didn't need her to fuck someone in that film. I don't sure. know. Like I I mean I get the it and I think was- it, it it works, but I kind of as I was watching it in the cinema, I pref- I was like, "Oh, do we have to see a romance boo?" Mm. The, the thing I, I will give the romance in Wonder Woman is that was a rever- a role reversal of what we normally mm. see in a superhero film where the normie woman sort of falls in love with the, you know, hyper, you know, amazing male superhero character. And it was nice to sort of have that flip happen in that movie. Um, I, th- I mean, he I, was still I, pretty I, amazing. Like, he was the best man that she possibly could find. Like, sure. He, he wasn't sure. just like, he wasn't a baker, was he? No, no, he was capable, <laughs> definitely capable. Yeah, but like, and I like the character, and I'm actually excited to see him back. But I don't know. I'm I get tired of seeing dicks around. Right now, it Wonder Woman 994 might be my most anticipated superhero film. Now that I think about it, mm-hmm. what else is coming out? Black more than Black Widow. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else is coming out. But that that is it's high on my list. Like I'm really really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, but it's probably was good. Uh, very gory, like just mm-hmm. happy to like have some real intense gore in there, and in a fun way, I thought. But be prepared for that. Actually, in a similar way to the cartoon does, it's it's yes. surprisingly gory as well. Uh, I Cats is now available on Amazon. The uh, Tom Hooper movie Cats. I won't it's say also much about on that. Binge as well. Binge as well. Uh, it's insane, and I don't understand why it exists on any level. Um, Wait, you'd seen it before, right? Never. <laughs> Never seen Cats. Haven't seen it on stage. Oh. I didn't see it in the cinemas. I'd been waiting for it to come out and something like this. We took, put it on one night. It was like midnight. Let's chuck it on see what's going on. I walked in out of the room multiple times because I was just like, this is 
Were you sober? Yes. When you watched it. And that was a mistake. I understand that. Why would you do that? (laughs) But I've never watched it sober and I never will. That's a promise. You've talked about this before, but what do you get from cats? Like for you, what are you getting out of it? I guess it's similar to, and this is, I feel this way about the the stage show as well as the the film. Um, I get the same joy and horror simultaneously that I get from watching things like The Room, where okay, it's like, sure, how except Cats has an added element. So you have the absurdity of like, how does this exist? Um, I don't understand the thought process, mm. but Cats has this really interested element of like. It has been so popular for so long. Yeah. And because, you know, I've worked at the theatres, people just keep coming back to see it year after year after year. And it makes me go, do they enjoy it because they realise how fucking shit it is and insane and makes no sense? Or is it genuinely, and this is what I think is more fascinating, uh, the emperor has no clothes situation sure. in which you're told something is really, really good. You go in and you're like, it's the theater. I don't normally go to the theater. You sit and you watch and you're like, Oh fuck, I guess this is the theater. I hate it. And you walk out <laughs> going, Oh, I'm so glad I spent $250 on that. That was fucking great. <laughs> like I think once you hit a certain pay bracket, you have to leave the auditorium going, Oh, that was brilliant. Sure. That was so good. Um, but it's just nuts. Like seeing something that I could never conceive of, no matter how many drugs I have, <laughs> it's something to see. Like I never thought I would see what you saw. <laughs> like you saw it, right? Like the most terrifying cat things that aren't really cats. Do you know that's the funny thing? It's not it's not the CGI or the imagery at all. Like that for whatever reason, maybe it's playing too many video games and seeing mm-hmm. much be- worse horror. Your than your this. issue is the complete lack of an interesting plot. Is that is of, that your issue? Of plot, of any semblance of momentum, of the ridiculously <laughs> awful songs. The amount of times yeah. the word jellicle is said. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's all those that's are. the. Mm-hmm. It's that stuff. The stuff that's probably got less to do with Tom Hooper making this, though. That, that well, I just can't understand why he thought this is a good idea. That's that's a whole other issue. Well, that's um, like so there that there is that split then. Like if you, because I love the stage show. I've had to watch it a billion times for work, but I mean, it inspired me to get a cat. I was like, this is this is brilliant. This is the worst thing that's ever existed, and yet I love it because it's so stupid. It's so stupid watching a bunch of like highly trained, talented mm. musical theatre actors dress up as cats and have to rub their face against patrons. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to say. Um, so you've got that and then you've got the, de- the decision to turn it into a film, which at that yes. point makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's insane. Yeah. The, yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, no this, is, this is a bad idea. And so much money and talent was put into this and it was always a bad idea. It was never going to be a good one. I would be interested in watching again with people, especially yourself, drunk, mm. you know? Oh, yeah. Under the influence. That's how you have to do. In a group of people mm-hmm. who, especially if they've got musical theatre enthusiasm, I think I'd be mm-hmm. interested in watching it that way. Because I, I think I saw it in the perfect way. I mean, I was mm. always going to love it no matter what it whether it was a success or a failure, I was I was in. But, you know, I saw it Christmas night 
first time, like it was, it was out. We were in. We got our tickets. <clears throat> we were all drunk, um, except for our friend who had just had a baby. She brought her baby along. That was brilliant. It shut in the first five minutes, and I was like, "That's a sign." Um, Is this our was, friend who brought their baby along? Yes. Yeah. It was little earmuffs. Okay. It was goddamn beautiful. <laughs> it was so cute. Uh, <laughs> and, and we all got dressed up as well as cats, obviously. And it was perfect as we yelled and screamed at the screen because the cinema was empty because it was Christmas night and it was cats, except for uh, a couple and their probably eight-year-old son sitting at the back. And I was like, these parents fucking hate their kid. (laughs) Also, what does this kid think that they're seeing? Like these weird cat animal monsters while all these drunk adults in front of them just yell at the screen. I'm... I think it's a Christmas that kid will remember forever, probably in therapy. But that's it was a great way to watch it. In celebration of Bill and Ted Face the Music being released, which mm-hmm. we can't see in Victoria because the cinemas aren't open. Um, and it's not on streaming here like it is in the States. i got to figure out there's a way around that. Get my Sorry. VPN to work. Anyway, I had never seen any of the Bill and Ted films, so I've watched mm. both of them since. They're both on stand in Australia. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bocus Journey. Um, they were very, very easy, fun watch. I get it. Mm. I reckon if I'd watched these movies when I was a kid in particular, I really would have liked it. Just mm-hmm. cute, goofy fun in both of them, particularly the first one, I thought. Um, overall, I think it's aged surprisingly well. I think about some of like the teen comedies from that era, John Hughes types, and they're very problematic mm. these yeah. days. Apart from... One very obvious standout problem in one and two, they both repeat, a particular uh, phrase that's very offensive to queer people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bit of gay panic in there. Gotcha. They're very, they really hold up in that regard, which is really good. There's very positive um, films. Mm-hmm. The characters of Bill and Ted, the idea of be excellent to each other and party on, is a philosophy I can get behind. Uh, mm-hmm. The first one totally loses any semblance of a plot in the middle of the movie. It just becomes a series of like skits of like, let's go find these historical figures and then let's see what happens when they come to the modern day. Mm-hmm. And like it, it's got no momentum, but whatever. I'm having a fun time all the same. Yeah. And as but a then, kid, you just love it. You love it. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have bothered me at all at the time. Mm-hmm. But then the, then the end really brings it home. Like when they're doing their presentation, and, like, they get all of them on board and they, like, mm-hmm. have a couple of really good Sigmund Freud jokes in there and stuff like... It's like, oh, they've really nailed this ending to this movie. And they also have a really good time with time travel mechanics. There's this thing that always bugs me about, like, watching Doctor Who and stuff like that where this person has a fucking time machine and they hit a mm-hmm. problem and they're like, oh, I can't do anything about that. I'm like, get in your time machine and go back and change it or fix it in some way. And they don't mm-hmm. do it. And this film, they're like... I actively go, we have a time machine. What if we remember after this to go put the key in this place? And then they go over the place. It's like, oh, we must have remembered to do it because it's here. It's like, I mean, that that can, <laughs> that computes. That works. Mm-hmm. That's perfect as far as I'm concerned. I just really, really enjoyed that. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, I didn't think was quite as fun overall, but had some really, really good ideas in it. Evil Bill and Evil Ted are, are really fun. I think... Um, Keanu Reeves and the other actor's name, who I can't remember, but Alex Winter, I think it is, uh, have mm. a lot of fun with that. Um, it's got some great practical effects in it, like really good 80s, 90s, like um, animatronic 
aliens and robots and monster stuff in there. The sort of practical effects you don't see anymore. There's a bit in the opening mm. when um, the bad guy shows up with the evil Bill and evil Ted robots and he gets them to pull their faces back and show their robot skulls. Yeah. I'm like, that was cool. Like, I, I see the edits, I, like, see the cuts, but I'm like, mm. but the effect is so strong because you mm-hmm. did it for reals. It's, I was, like, really, really enjoying that aspect of the show, of the movie. Um, I'm fascinated to see what the new one's going to be like, though, because they are obviously really a product of their time. They're dumb team, dumb with surprising amount of, like, intelligence or smarts smattered in there. But they're, like, these are, like, you know, Valley Kid, California dummies. Mm-hmm. And that suits their ages at the time they're doing it. What's this aged-up version of Bill and Ted going to be like? I yeah. need to be convinced that's going to work. But I'm looking forward to finding out because it's getting good reviews. Well, all right. So let's just say I have a time machine and I've oh, travelled yeah. into the future to when it is available in Australia, right? Well, what, can and you now, tell me when that is? Why the fuck are we doing this? And I have, have travelled back in time to tell you <laughs> the new one. Can you bring back a vaccine, please, Damask. No, that, that breaks some kind of cosmic rule, so I can't. Uh, um, but the new one is a lot of fun, very similar to the first two. It feels like – doesn't feel like it's its own thing. It does have the vibe of an homage and not in the way that you're like, oh, this is like a motif from that, but it's not in that way. But it just feels like an echo of that. It is a lot of fun, good-natured fun. Um it doesn't take itself seriously at all, nor should it. Um, I don't think it's as good, certainly not as the first. It's been a mm-hmm. while since I've watched the second. But in the future, it gave me a lot of joy to watch. Cool. That is my magical review that I'm going to give you. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask any more about your amazing time-traveling technology, but I'm glad to hear you liked it. Does it... Does it feel more modern? Like, does it feel like it maybe looks at those films and goes, well, these are the things that sort of have dated in terms of, like, the pacing and the plotting and stuff. Does it do any more work in that regard to be a little bit more too modern taste? Or? I don't know that it does. I think it okay. feels very similar to the way that those first two did. Okay. It, it, I mean, I feel like it could have been made back then, but it just, cool. you know, now I've got modern graphics. Um, there's... A really cute dynamic between Bill and Ted and their daughters, which is really cool. lovely. Um, obviously, because uh, George Carlin, yeah, is no longer with us, so uh, Kristen Schaal is in kind of his role, and gotcha. I love her so much. Um, but it it doesn't feel modern. It feels like a, a piece of the the first two. That sounds that sounds encouraging. One of the things I actually like about two as well is it sort of picks up a couple of like little ideas and loose, like minor loose ends from the first mm. one and just runs with them yeah. and just has fun with them. Like the fact that they're still dating the two princesses, the fact yeah. that they ha- when evil Bill and evil Ted show up in the first movie, I think it's Bill says, no, it's Ted says like, why should we trust them? What if they're lying to us? And like, why would we lie to ourselves? And so when that happens a second time, the second movie, they're like, I feel weird about this, but it wasn't a problem the first time. So they just go with it. And like, oh, that actually tracks. Like, that's mm. <laughs> that works. Well done. Um, yeah, it still the has idea a, that yeah, it still has just like a, a lot of fun with time travel. And it just, it's a bit silly and it's 
yeah, cool. it's fun. Well, well, looking yeah. forward to watching that when that is available sometime in the distant future that you won't tell us about. Finally, I'll just wrap up quickly by saying uh, we haven't mentioned this because it's not TV news, but um, obviously the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of weeks ago now, I think it was, which is a massive shock. And um, it was really hard or really, you know, sad to see the impact he's obviously had. I mean, that's he's obviously meant a lot to a lot of people. So, a lot mm-hmm. of people hurting about that. Very similar, reminded me of like when Heath Ledger passed, actually. Just one of those like way too early was just starting to really find their place in mm-hmm. Hollywood. Had a lot of work ahead of them. So, that's really tragic. Um, but in his honor, went back and watched Black Panther. It's only the second time I've seen that movie, and I had forgotten how good a movie that is. Ultimately, um, mm. still like really affecting, challenging themes for a comic book film. The stuff, the work that Boseman and Jordan are doing in that film is excellent. They're both mm-hmm. fantastic in it. Um, if nothing else, the movie's worth watching. If it's not for them. The production design in that film and the freaking music in that film is great. I think mm-hmm. all the things that, if there's anything that holds the film back, it's simply because it has to be a Marvel movie. And I love yeah, Marvel movies. True. But like, yeah. there is a movie that's better than anything Marvel, a Marvel film can achieve that's then just a little bit held back because it has to have that third act with CGI rhinos and fucking um, vibranium trains. Like, mm-hmm. that stuff is fine. It's a better third act than Wonder Woman, but it yep. it's it's only there because it has to contractually. The stuff underneath it, uh, pinning that thematically underneath it is still so good. Mm-hmm. I'm very sad we're not going to be able to see him play T'Challa in another mm. film. That's really, really sad. Yeah, I think I was just... Because I was re-watching a bunch of the Marvel films just before he passed... And then the news happened and I was like, oh, obviously very upset by and, yeah, rewatched Black Panther. And I think what was just shocking to me was that, you know, he was clearly very ill. I think, like, Heath Ledger, it was tragic because he just died like that Mm. um, with no knowledge that that was going to happen to him. Whereas, you know, Chadwick Boseman knew that he didn't have that long. Um and worked his fucking ass off in those last few years. And I was just like, Absolutely. that level of perse- perseverance, self-belief and dedication to what you love is incredibly inspiring. And I, yeah, like that, I don't know, to be functioning mm. at that level, not only when you're sick, but just even if you're healthy, to be functioning at that level to achieve what you want to achieve i it blew my mind blew my mind yeah it's clearly a, a, an incredible person still black panther is the highest grossing marvel movie that isn't a team-up movie i'm pretty sure mm. um it has that legacy it obviously has a really strong legacy for being not the first black superhero film because there was blade and those sorts of films but probably being the most impactful the first mm-hmm. really 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 big one um, and obviously the effect of that is going to be long lasting. I'm really glad he got to be a part of that. Um, uh, but yeah, it's really sad that he's gone and he's going to miss out on whatever would have come next for him. Um, so just, I think finish on the note that 2020 obviously sucks and we hate you 2020. We we'll be back you. in a week or two. Sometime in the next couple of weeks, we'll do our review of pose. It's a bit of a weird mm. one because I am moving house over the next mm. couple of weeks. So, um, yeah. it, we might not release sort of 
exactly on a week. It might be closer to two weeks. We'll see what we do there. In the meantime, though, looking forward to watching Pose Season 1. You're looking forward to that. Have you watched Star of That Damask? I haven't because we gave ourselves two weeks to watch it and I yep. completely wasted that time. <laughs> so I haven't started it yet. But I, I've been looking forward to watching this show for a really long time. Um, but like I said, I've just been purely in comfort shows at the moment. But, yeah, no, really looking forward to kind of it, seeing, yeah, a lot of new talent that I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Starting a new show is hard at the moment. Once I'm into yeah. a show, it's often fine. I can keep going. It's that... Mm-hmm. Getting to watching, pressing play in a first episode, the unknown of what this is going to be like and what I'm going to be dealing with emotionally has been really difficult all year, but particularly yeah. the last couple of months. <laughs> yeah, I think like when we finally get to actually recording the podcast, it's fine and I have a great time. But yeah. the the challenge of like having to sit down and like you said, yeah, invest in something new at the moment, it's it feels like a real job. <laughs> That being said as well, though, I'm glad we have the podcast to keep doing it because Mm -hmm. if not, I would only be doing comfort food stuff. And I like I need I need those weighted blankets as much as anybody. But Mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm still pushing forward and watching new stuff and stuff I haven't haven't watched before as well. And the podcast helps us do that. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time with our review of Post Season 1. Catch you then. Bye.